0: We shall turn now to the consideration of the Word of God as we have it in the third chapter of the book of the Revelation in the first part, the first six verses of this chapter where we consider the fifth of the seven churches in Asia or rather its spiritual condition before uh, God and it is important to remind ourselves of how each of these seven messages begin unto the angel of the church in Sardis, and we have already noted the seven stars in the hand of the glorified redeemer, the angels of the seven churches. Now, while the letters of John are certainly directed to seven specific churches, specific assemblies of the people of God, the manner in which the letters are delivered is of significance unto the angel of the church in Sardis, right, unto the angel of the church in Philadelphia, and so on. And then from the glorified Redeemer comes his assessment of the spiritual condition of that particular church. But it is, first of all, directed to the angel or the messenger of the church, clearly indicating that it is the purpose and the mind of God that every pastor, every gospel minister in charge of any congregation, any assembly of the people of God It is his duty, and it is his responsibility to know honestly the spiritual state of those to whom he ministers and over whom he is their pastor. The angel of the church in Sardis, you are to know And you are to understand the spiritual condition of the people in the church in Sardis. And you must know it accurately, not guesswork, not just hoping that the church is in a particular condition, but facing up to the reality. This is how God sees it. Now, it doesn't seem to matter to many who are claiming to be called to the ministry, who are set over congregations. As far as they are concerned, they're there to do a job of work. It isn't even a calling. It's just an occupation And after all, God is sovereign, and if a church or a congregation is in a particular state, well, God knows all about it, he's sovereign over it, and if it pleases him, he can alter it, if not, he will leave it. The glorious head of the church says to the angel of the church in Sardis, This is the condition of these people that you are ministering to. The church in Philadelphia, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, whatever you might happen to think, whatever your assessment happens to be, this is my verdict on the church in Philadelphia and so on. Now, that is important. It may not always be wise for any pastor to declare in any public fashion what he actually thinks is the state of those before him. But it is his business, as far as he can possibly assess it, before God to know the spiritual needs, the spiritual condition, that by the grace of God, the word would be applied as necessary and as appropriate to advance spiritual life in that particular body. Now, before going any further, we ought to remind ourselves of how each of these Seven epistles conclude, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. No. What the Spirit saith unto the churches. So we are not to imagine to ourselves, Well, there was a church in Sardis. There was another church in Philadelphia. There was another in Ephesus and uh, another in Samaria and so on. And there was an epistle sent particularly to that church that was uh, not relevant, its contents was not really relevant to any of the other churches. The fact is, what is written to one church is written to every church. And therefore, the church in Ephesus They are responsible to give heed to the epistle that is written to the church in Sardis. It is applicable to them. It is appropriate that they pay attention. Because here, the glorious head of the church is setting before, as it were, the universal church, the various conditions into which the body of Christ, the visible church in this world, can be found. And here when we come to the church in Sardis, we have a particular spiritual condition that we need to pay attention to because it is the condition that I fear many, many congregations of the worshipers of God are found even this day. Notice how the glorious Christ introduces himself as the author of what is written to this church in Sardis. These things saith he that hath the seven spirits, now, some people get a little confused because they believe there's three persons in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And why then do we come to Revelation and find references to the seven spirits, the seven spirits before the throne of God, and so on, and he that hath the seven spirits here. Now, you will understand that in the uh, society that John was in and that these seven churches were part of, numbers as well as letters of the alphabet all had their own particular significance. And when we come to the number seven, it's the number of perfection and completion and fullness and when here we have Christ saying, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits. It means he has all the completeness, the perfection, all the fullness of the operations and the activities and the attributes of the Holy Spirit. You remember when Paul is writing to the Corinthians there in the first epistle to the Corinthians and the chapter 12, he's speaking of the various gifts that were bestowed on the church in Corinth. And in verse uh, 4 of First Corinthians 12, we read, Now there are diversities of gifts but the same spirit. One spirit, but diversity of gifts from that one spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestations of the Spirit is given uh, to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. So every man uh, in Corinth that had a particular gift of the Spirit that he could exercise, could never say, like this one, these things saith he that hath the seven spirits. I have one of the diverse gifts of the Spirit. Or perhaps I have two particular gifts of the Spirit. And he would exercise those gifts as they were given Sovereignly to him for the edification of the church. The one who's speaking here says, I possess the whole fullness, every gift, every diverse gift, every type of administration. I possess it all in Perfect completeness and fullness. that's who's speaking. And then he goes on to say, these things saith he that at the seven spirits of God and the seven stars I possess the fullness, all the perfections of the divine. Holy Spirit, I can make use of them at any time, under any conditions and so on, but I also possess the seven stars. Now we're not going to go back over the ground already covered, but we have, remember I trust that the seven stars are indicative of light. So here is the one who is addressing the church in Sardis, saying, I have the seven spirits, it is the spirit that quickeneth. I possess all the quickening power of the Holy Spirit. But then I have the seven stars, I have all the perfection and the fullness of light. So what do we have here? Life and light. I possess life and light. Here's the angel of the church in Sardis being addressed. Here's the church itself in Sardis being addressed. Who's addressing them? The one who is the fullness of life. And the one who possesses the fullness or administrates the fullness of light. I know thy works. I know thy works. How do I know them? With perfect, sovereign, eternal, immutable omniscience. Not a thing I don't know. Not a thing that I don't know about Sardis. Not a thing that I don't know about the church in Sardis. Not a thing that I don't know about the individual members of the church in Sardis. Now you will remember this as we proceed down through the message, who's speaking? The one who has all the fullness of the operations and administrations of the quickening spirit of life. And then the seven stars where he administers light to the church and to his people. Now it is Important that we keep that in mind as we proceed. This one says to the church, I know thy works. I know them thoroughly. I know the extent of them. I know the purpose in them. I know them thoroughly. Now, wouldn't you think then that this is good This is a good reputation for the church in Sardis that the one who's the head of the church knows they are an active church. They are a working church. I know thy works. Be mighty sad if he were to say, well, I know you don't do anything. I know in Sardis there's no works worth talking about. You're a lazy lot in Sardis. You really don't do anything. You just talk. That's it. I know thy works. In Sardis, there's activity. There's work going on. That thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. I remember on one occasion at a conference being severely rebuked by a senior minister because I dared to refer to deadness in the church. And I was told to talk that way, George, will discourage the people. You don't say things like that. Well, Sardis heard exactly that. Thou art dead. What a condition to be in. Now does there not appear to be some Contradiction here! I know thy works, and thou art dead. What kind of works must these be? You don't expect a corpse to be very active. To be, you don't look for a corpse when you, when a man or a company is advertising for a labourer or a joiner or a plumber or whatever else. Are they? Advertise in the local death notices to discover who might be available to work. Dead men do not work. And yet here we're told the church in Sardis, I know thy works. Thou art dead. These are the activities of spiritual deadness. It is amazing how deceived many, many people are today, thinking, well, in our church, there's not one night of the week that we don't have activity going on. We've got the youth meeting this night, and the teenagers the next night, and we fix a prayer meeting somewhere along the line in the week, and we've got this brigade and that society. We've all got lots of things going on. We're a very active church. And people are taken in by that. They really are. And I hear people say to me, well in this church and Thursday and Monday night of this and Tuesday night of that and Wednesday night and Thursday night. Why do we not have that? Why do we not do that in our church? People get the idea because there's plenty of activity. It's an evidence of life. But it obviously can't be. In every case, I know thy works and I have examined them and I have analyzed them and I have scrutinized them and I've gone right through them all. And they are the works of a spiritually dead church. How solemn. For people who think when there's plenty of activity, it's a sign of life. It may not be. What we have here is an address to a backslidden church. And an address that requires reformation and reviving in this church. And that's what we what to concentrate our minds upon and ask as undoubtedly questions were intended to be provoked in this church in Sardis. That's why Christ is writing these things to provoke them into spiritual activity. And what are they to do? Be watchful, And strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. I have not found thy works perfect or full or complete before God. Before God. What does God think of it all? What's his opinion about it all? Thou hast a name. Thou hast a reputation. Thou hast a reputation for work and activity. Thou hast a name. And thou hast a reputation. Thou hast a name that thou livest. And you seek to maintain that reputation. You seek to preserve that name as an active church. But you're dead. So then, what is this church here to do in this condition? How has it, we may well ask. and That's what the angel in the church in Sardis is going to have to ask. Well, if this is the case, how did we get here? Is this just... Incidental or accidental? How did we get here? How did we arrive here? What has been happening? But this is now the verdict that before God, our works, our feeling. but we have a reputation, we have a name, and out there in society. And out there in the world, and out there among the seven churches, we have a reputation. Now you will see, as you look at the seven churches, the various states and conditions that are mentioned. The church here is not rebuked for false doctrine. The church in Sardis is not guilty of allowing the doctrine of the Nicolaitans or Jezebel, the false prophetess. None of these things appear in the life of the church in Sardis. It's not accused of introducing false doctrine or erroneous theology or lack of discipline, nothing of that. Nothing like that is mentioned. Yet, what do we read? In verse 3, Remember, therefore, how thou hast received, and heard, and hold fast, and repent. Out of the seven churches, five of them are required to repent over something. Imagine. You might think, well, seven churches, they are the churches of Christ, are they not? Aren't they the visible witness on behalf of Christ to the ungodly world? Seven of them. Five Needing to repent. If there was one, well, that would be understandable. Two, well, that would be quite a concern. Three, that would be very alarming. Five are required to repent. Now, how does a church repent? A church can only repent as individuals repent. And here we see that to a large extent throughout the whole of the visible church at that time, there is need for repentance before God because of works. You need to repent of what? Your works. Ever thought of that? We'd be thinking to ourselves, I could only do something that would be useful. I feel ashamed of myself at times that I'm so slothful and I do so little. I'm so ashamed to speak up for Christ. I'm so pathetic in my witness. I do so little at all to contribute to the advancement of Christ and his kingdom. If I I could just do something, it would be a great comfort to me. It would be a great encouragement. I would feel elevated in my mind no end. If I could just know at the end of the day, I actually did something for the Lord today. I know thy works. And you need to repent over them. You need to repent not because you didn't do anything. But you need to repent over what you've actually done. Because they've been done before God. And he has scrutinized them. And they're not perfect before God. Oh, they may be perfect before you. And they may be applauded by those around you. And you may feel good. And you may feel greatly uh, elevated in your own thinking uh, because you feel you're making progress. Uh, The church at Sardis something wrong with your works and you need to repent of them now where does this repentance begin remember verse 3 remember remember therefore how thou hast received and heard now where does that take them when did they receive When did they hear? They received the gospel when it came to them. They heard the gospel when it was preached to them. They received it. They believed it. They acted upon it. It produced in them spiritual exercises of soul, spiritual mindedness, spiritual Activities before God. Because of their present condition, they are required by God to go back. You better get back to the past. And you better find out what's gone wrong. What has brought about the change. How did this spirit of deadness come about? Thou hast a name, that thou livest. What the Lord is really saying here, well in Sardis, you have a name and you have a reputation even among the other churches in Asia. Nobody is going to point the finger and say, well, the church in Sardis is pretty apostate. They allow that wicked woman, Jezebel, to minister there. They have introduced the doctrine of Beal. And they've allowed the doctrine of the Nicolaitans to develop in their midst. Nothing of that. There's not a mention of their theology or a deterioration in their doctrinal position. But they need to remember what has gone wrong, where they've come from, where they've departed from. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard. What's happening. A change of attitude to the word of God. You're not hearing the word now as you used to hear it. You're not receiving it now as you used to receive it. You remember how you used to hear it? You took it seriously. You led it to heart. It convicted you. It made you ashamed of your sin. It humiliated you before God. You remember how you heard. You took God's word seriously. You acted as though you were actually hearing God himself. Now you can hear. doesn't have that effect anymore. Now you can hear as though you don't hear. Now you can hear as though it doesn't matter. Now you hear as though you can pick and choose. Something's gone wrong in your hearing. Something has gone wrong in your attitude to what you hear. I wonder, I wonder, when you look back, my dear friend, Has there been any change? Remember the time you wouldn't miss a word. The Spirit of God was so applying the word, my, you feared to miss anything, lose anything. It's different now, isn't it? Doesn't matter whether I hear everything or not. Doesn't matter whether it has any effect or not. Doesn't matter that I go home in the end of the Lord's day and I can't remember a thing I've heard. That doesn't matter anymore. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard. How did you receive it? You received it by faith. Now you've got clever. You used to receive it as a little child. You used to receive it in its simplicity. Not anymore. I'm clever now. I'm very smart now. So I argue with God now. And I dismiss what I don't like now. And I challenge God now. And I challenge the preacher and the people of God now. I stand on my rights. Ah, Here's the problem in the church in Sardis. A change of attitude is where it is beginning. To the hearing and the receiving of God's Word. Do you think that you've received anything today? Oh, the physical ear, yes, it was in contact with the truth. But did you actually receive it? They received it by faith, They received it into hearts that were prepared, you remember, in the Acts of the Apostles, the house of Cornelius. And when he sent for Peter, directed by God, go and send for Simon Peter, and he'll come and minister. What did Cornelius say? We're all gathered here to hear what you will tell us from the Lord. Church in Sardis, you remember the enthusiasm. You were there. You had priorities. You wanted to hear. You wanted to receive the truth. That's how it was. Sardis, look back. See the great deterioration. See the change of attitude to the word of God. See how little you prize the word now compared with what you once did. You received it by faith. You received it as the very food that your soul fed on. You loved that word. You cherished it. When you heard it, what were you saying? It is the voice of my beloved. You didn't hear a mere man, a mortal creature. You heard another voice. You heard the voice of him who spoke from on high. And you listened as a poor perishing sinner. And you listened for the voice that would bring hope to your soul. You listened for the tender voice who would say, thy sins are forgiven thee. But now, you don't need any of that. you got a way beyond that. You don't want to act that way. You don't want to think that way. You don't want to respond that way. Ah, church at Sardis, look back. Don't you see what's gone wrong? Don't you see what's happened? You've changed your attitude to God's Word. And now it's like the seed falling by the wayside. It's like the seed perhaps falling into the stony ground, into the thorny ground. doesn't bear the fruit that it used to bear doesn't, go, do, you perhaps here to, you can look back, you can remember occasions, may the Spirit of God bring them back to your mind. You didn't want to talk to anyone and you didn't want anyone to talk to you because you had heard the voice of God speaking and you took it seriously and you shuddered and you trembled. And you quaked before God because he was speaking. Now you can ignore him. You don't even want to think, oh, how foolish I was. Lying asleep at night, thinking of my soul, thinking of meeting God. Oh, how foolish. Got beyond that now young men, young women, look back, because that's what the church in Sardis was required to do. Remember, therefore. Remember, therefore, how thou wast received and hold fast. You better get back to where you begun. And you better start and hold the word fast. Hold it fast. What does the devil want to do? Come and take the seed, like in the parable, out of the heart. Why have you deteriorated spiritually in Sardis? Because you have not held the word fast. You've let it go. You've lost it. You've listened and you've forgotten. Hold fast and repent. Repent because you have heard the word of God. Yes, that's what it says. Remember therefore how thou hast received and repent because you're not receiving it that way anymore. Remember how you have heard and repent because you're not hearing it that way in, anymore. What are we going to do at the end of this day? you think any of us will have need before we close our eyes to slumber to go before God and repent we didn't pay attention the way we shoot confess our sins we allowed the devil to get in we allowed the cares of this world to rob us of spiritual good young man, young woman, boys and girls, it is a very, very serious thing. It is a most solemn matter to be in the place where God's word is spoken to you. Because if your hearing and your receiving of that word is not pleasing to God, you need to repent. You need to repent. This is what the message is to Sardis. You look back. You remember. And then you recognize changes have taken place. And hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch. I will come and thee is a thief and thou shalt not know what our way will come in thee. What does a thief come to do? A thief went into your house. What would he be there for? Is he coming to arrange a party for you when you come back home? He's there to take away. He's there to remove what is yours, to steal, to take away what you presently have. You're of a th- you in home and a thief has been in your property, you look around, what has he taken? He's taken my good watch. He's taken my computer. He's come as a thief to remove something. What does the glorified head of the church say to Sardis? If you do not repent, I will come as a thief and I will take away from you what you presently have. Do you think that has happened? You look all over communities in Australia just like the United Kingdom or anywhere else to the area covered by the seven churches in Asia. Where is the church in Sardis now? It doesn't exist. I will come as a thief. If you don't appreciate my word, if you don't hide it in your heart, if you don't receive it, and act upon, well, I'll take it away then. I'll just come as a thief and take it from you then. Look how many places that has happened to you. How many places where once the word of God was faithfully preached and people gathered because they were hungry for the word of God. And then deterioration set backsliding took place. People became familiar with the word of God. They didn't want to be sanctified anymore by the word of truth. So what happens? The glorious head of the church who holds the seven stars in his hand, who has the seven spirits of God What does he do? He comes and he withdraws the blessings and the privileges and the opportunities and men and women and boys and girls sink into spiritual darkness and into spiritual ignorance and the light goes out and the death of the spiritual graveyard overtakes The whole assembly, death, rules and reigns, where once it could be said they received and they heard. What does each of these epistles end with? He that hath an ear, let him hear. Hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And the Spirit is saying to you and I here exactly what he was saying to the church in Sardis. If you do not repent, and if you will not watch, and if you will not treat my word differently to what you're doing, I will come as a thief. And I will take it away. Thou wilt not know what hour I will come upon thee. How would they? Because when the spirit is withdrawn there's no discernment anyway. There's nothing but spiritual blindness and spiritual deadness. So that The name continues. Thou hast a name that thou livest. Oh, we are the same church we always were. Look at our history. We have a name to live. Look at our fathers and our grandfathers and our great-grandfathers. Look at what they did. It's amazing. I love when I'm away anywhere to go round old cemeteries and old churches. And you will find again and again, in many of the really old churches, you will find plaques on the walls in memory of Reverend so-and-so and and Reverend so-and-so and and Dr. so-and-so, past ministers, and so on. And maybe there's someone going around as a guide to explain the history. And what do they say? Well, I am a direct descendant of Reverend So-and-so. And they say it with a, a degree of pride. You see, we're keeping up the name. We still belong here. We're proud to be here. We're proud of our church. We're proud of the name of our church the history of our church, the reputation of our church. We are proud of the distinctives that our father stood for. That's what happens when spiritual deadness comes in. That's what happens when the word no longer has a quickening power and quickening effect when it is not received as it should have been here in Sardis. They had thus a carnal confidence. We have an aim. We're proud of it. We have an aim and we're going to maintain it. We have a name that sets us apart from everyone else and everything else. Now, it sets you apart from me. You've got a different name. You've a very distinctive name, as I have. Thou hast name. Oh, I'm proud of it. Sardis. You have a name, all right. And you have a name that you live, and you want to maintain it. You're proud of it, and you want it to be recognized. Pride, carnal confidence. We're working away here. We're keeping up the outward, the externals. We're keeping up with our history. Thou hast a name. Where did they get the name from? They got the name in the past. So they are to remember how they got the name and how did they get the name just like the Thessalonians. Remember what Paul said of them. They were more honorable more honorable than others they had an aim an aim for what receiving the word of god an aim for receiving what they heard preached as though it was the very word of god and they searched the scriptures to see if these things be so they were more honorable They had a name. And here it could be said of the church in Sardis, you had a name for receiving the word of God. You didn't have the reputation of those Judaizers who would imprison the apostles, who would stone them to death who would cause havoc in the synagogue when they came to preach. No, you didn't have that kind of reputation. You didn't have that kind of name. You had a name for receiving the truth. And you're still living in that name. Living upon your past. Living upon your past. Past is not the present. That's why they were dead. Because they were living in the past. We have a name. And we're going to maintain it. And we're going to live in the past. We're not what we used to be, but we're still going to live in the past. We'd first forget all about our present state. We were Remember this, and we were remember that. Therefore, we're going to keep our name. What a state the church in Sardis is in. It is nothing to hold to but the past. The present is very different. I know thy works that are going on now. And I know that I have not found them perfect before God. However you may consider them and however others around you may approve of them, I have not found them to be perfect before God. Verse 4, thou hast a few names. Even in Sardis it was as though it was almost incredible. Things have got so low in Sardis. Thou was a few names. Just imagine. We don't know what the assembly would be like in Sardis, but just imagine there's a thousand, a thousand of a congregation in Sardis, perhaps 500 or something of that what are we to understand is the reality that is implied here that there was just a tiny minority in the church in Sardis that had spiritual life in their souls. Just a tiny minority. A few names. A few names. You see, the church cannot be alive spiritually without living members. Remember what Peter, when he's writing his first general epistle, how he describes the uh, effects of the word of God uh, upon men in chapter 2 of First Peter, new, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Ye also, verse 5, as lively stones, living stones. Church cannot be alive spiritually unless its members are alive. That's the question then. The majority here in Sardis are spiritually dead but they call themselves Christians. They call themselves believers. And they're carrying on with religious activities. And they're engaged in religious church work. But they're spiritually dead. They've never been born again. And I believe that everywhere you look, you will see people full of religion, Churches, yes, around here. People all keen. Oh, yes, I want to be in the church. I want to be involved in the church. I want to be doing things for the church. They've never even been born again. They've never been spiritually quickened. And they're doing works of charity. And they're helping the poor. And the alcoholics, and they're sending money to the missionaries and doing all kinds of things. But they've never been spiritually awakened and spiritually quickened. And that's the question then for the angel of the church in Sardis. What an awakening you can imagine when he reads this letter. And he presents himself before his congregation the next Lord's Day. Oh my. There's only a few of these people converted. How do I deal with them? How do I preach to them? I thought most of them were the Lord's people and now... The head of the church is telling me there's only a few names in Sardis. What an awakening. Spiritual life is evidenced in spiritual activity. Reading the Word of God. Meditating upon it. Spending time in prayer. Walking in fellowship with God. Not doing all kinds of church work and church involved in church activities. No, I know thy works. And I know that you want a reputation for work and good works. But there's a lot of things in Sardis that you're neglecting. And there's one thing needful in Sardis. Spiritual life. And here's the one who possesses life. I have the seven spirits. I have the spirit of quickening. And where I am not where I ought to be in the life of the church, Well, then there won't be life. Push me from the center. Sideline me. Forget about the gospel. Forget about me as a savior for sinners. Forget about me as one who had to atone for sin. Forget about me because... There aren't any sinners now who need me. That's the fact. You don't tell people, you don't tell boys and girls they're sinners. And if they're not sinners, they don't need Christ, do they? You don't tell people they're lost as sinners. So if they're not lost, there's no need for Christ. So we can set him aside and carry on with our work without him. And he says, I have the seven spirits. With me there is both life and light. Remove me from where I ought to be, central, in the very life of the church, and you'll neither have life nor light. That's the warning to the church in Sardin. I tell you, these, these messages to these seven churches are serious and solemn. And we better give heed to them. Because if we don't, the warning is, I will come as a thief. And I will take away from you what you don't appreciate. i very solemn. How we need grace to pray to God. Enable me to hear and enable me to receive as I shall answer to God. May bless his word. Let us pray. Most holy and eternal God, we seek thy blessing upon thy word. How solemnly thou art addressing us In thy truth, may we lay thy word to heart and enable us to repent over our carelessness, enable us to repent over our slothfulness, enable us to repent over our lack of interest, the way we have responded to thy word so often. mercy upon us. Enable us to receive thy truth with gladness, believing that thy word is truth. Bless it to us, hear us, receive us, and pardon us. For Christ's sake, amen.